Hi, I'm Jason Barnard, and this is SEO in 2024 with David Bain and Majestic. Jason, what's your number one SEO tip for 2024? I'd love to give lots of tips about generative AI in search, Google search generative experience and Bing chat. Okay, so not many people talk about Bing as well. Um, what's the difference between Google and Bing when it comes to generative AI? Interestingly enough, not very much. Uh, presentation, it comes down to, but they both function more or less the same way. And G Gary Leish said a few months ago, search engines function more or less the same way. And that remains true today. So what we can learn from Bing, we can apply in a great chunk to Google as well. Okay, so that's good. We don't necessarily have to do anything too different there, but um, how do SEOs prepare for generative AI? Right, well, first question is, what is generative AI? How does it work? And the answer to that question is it's simply a summary, in Google's case, of its knowledge and its recommendations. So what it does is it takes the SERP, the search engine results page, its knowledge panel, and the recommendations on the left, and it summarizes all of that to save the user the time of jumping between multiple websites to gather the information themselves. So what I'm now talking about is this is a dynamic knowledge panel because a knowledge panel serves that same purpose to summarize information about an entity. So in order to understand how search generative experience is going to work, you need to understand how Google and Bing indeed are summarizing their own SERPs. And then what questions do they then suggest as follow-up questions to keep the conversation going with the user? And so what they are doing is saying, well, here's a summary. Here are some questions. Let's start a conversation. And what that conversation does, and Fabrice Canel from Bing pointed this out to me, is bring the user down the funnel to the point where they're ready to buy, at which point they send a user to the website where they can buy. So that's a lovely snapshot there, a lovely way to do, describe it there, and next generation knowledge panel there as well. What elements are missing from the current knowledge panel compared with what you're describing? Well, the, the current knowledge panel is a statement of facts. So what Google is doing with the knowledge panel for your company or yourself is saying, these are the facts I've understood. Here's a description that I'm confident is true. Here are the related entities in people also search for. Here are the social media platforms that this person is on. So it's giving you a summary of the person or the company. And the search generative experience does that on the fly instead of pulling it all out of the knowledge graph and then also offers you the opportunity for a conversation. So it's a conversational dynamic knowledge panel. So how do you initiate that conversation? Because it sounds like once you're in that conversation, that's the opportunity. As long as if you do the conversation right, then you've got a good opportunity to get the business. So how do you start things? Right. And that's a really great question, because from that perspective, what you need to do is make sure that Google and Bing understand your funnel and how to bring your audience down their funnel on their SERP. So what you need to do is educate these machines about who you are, what you do, which audience you serve, and what your funnel looks like so that they can replicate it on the SERP. And it feels like you're giving away control to Google and Bing, which you are. It doesn't feel fair, but you're not going to change how they're going to evolve 
and I'm afraid we're going to have to bite the bullet and do it, which means ensuring that the funnel that they recreate on the SERP is the same as, or as close to the same as, as possible to the one that you have on your own website and within your own organization. So is there anything that you need to do different now to your funnel to help search engines understand it from a generative AI perspective? What we found with clients is it's actually hugely helpful because as soon as I say to them, what is your funnel? How does it work? What are the questions that people ask as they go down the funnel? The business tells me, ah, right. And then they explain it and it's never very clear. So what it forces people to do is identify what their funnel looks like, what the questions are, who the personas are, and then lay it out on the website in a, an easily digestible manner. And that helps both the user who comes to their website from another platform, such as Facebook or Twitter or Medium or wherever it might be, but also helps the search engines understand so the search engines can assist, let's say assistive engines, bring that user down the funnel. And don't ever forget that users on Google are Google's users. They might be your audience, but when they're using Google, they are Google's users. And Google is recommending you to the subset of its users who are your audience. So what I found is this new experience forces brands and companies to create the content that their users, or sorry, their audience need and want in the funnel and post funnel and set it out clearly on their website. And it's hugely helpful because most businesses don't really know what their funnel looks like. And I'm just trying to understand what that funnel education process looks like. I mean, are we talking about making great use of breadcrumbs, better internal linking, better use of navigational headlines throughout the funnel process? Um, is there any coding behind that as well, that such a schema that, that, that helps the search in, engine to understand which stage of the funnel that they happen to be on? Yeah, uh, which is a great question. Everything you just said, yes. But the big, big, big chunk of work is your FAQ. One question answer per page, simple answer to a simple question, every single question you can think of that your audience might be asking. FAQ schema markup, not to have the rich snippets in the SERP, but to make sure that Google is confident it's understood. And that's a huge, huge point about schema markup. Google's been giving us a carrot, which is you can get the stars or the accordions in the SERP. But the truth is schema markup is there to translate what you're saying in the page into Google's native language. Schema is Google and Bing's native language. So the role of schema is to reassure the machine that it's fully understood what it's already seen in the page. So schema markup is supporting evidence. It's reassurance. It's confidence building in the content you've got. And the content that you currently have, I will bet my bottom dollar, your FAQ is way too small, doesn't answer even 5% of the questions that people ask on the way down the funnel or post funnel. That makes complete sense that you're advocating a much better use of FEQ. So obviously, I would imagine linked to FEQ page directly, listing page directly from the homepage, and, and then you're advocating one page per question. Is there formatting within each set of questions that um, you would recommend uh, to demonstrate that the stage of the funnel that um, the question is likely to relate to? Yes, um, you can clearly describe within the FAQ where you feel the user is in the funnel by the way that you word what you're saying. 
i.e. am I talking to somebody who hardly knows who I am or somebody who knows who I am and is ready to buy or somebody who's already bought? And the thing about the FAQ is we're now integrating it into every single client that we're working with on the CaliQ process. And the CaliQ process is the idea of saying, let's create knowledge in Google's brain, understanding. Let's make sure the recommendations about my company are relevant and helpful to my audience. Those two together will feed into generative AI as long as we're answering all the questions down the funnel. And that's what the CaliQ process does. It nails knowledge, recommendations, and Google's summary of its own results, which is its assessment and judgment of the cert. And if you're a brand, that's hugely important. What does Google truly think of you? That's what you get in generative AI for your branded search. So harping on about this FEQ page, yeah. other <laughs> sections um, within the questions that you would perhaps use subheadings for, um, minor H tags for, to demonstrate that each uh, of those questions probably relate to a particular subsection? And also, is there a maximum or minimum number of questions that you recommend within an FAQ section? Right. Okay. That, that's a great question. The thing is, with headings, because we're saying give a short, succinct, quick answer to a simple question, you're not going to have lots of headings. So that isn't something that you can apply. I mean, if you're using a mobile phone and you've ever searched for something like multiple authors on a WordPress blog, and then it starts with, do you want to create multiple authors on a WordPress blog? Why would I want to create multiple authors on a WordPress blog? What is the technical implication of creating? And it's got all of this stuff and I'm scrolling through saying, I just want to know how to do it. I don't want all that introductory information that typically SEOs have, have, have created to create that context. I already know what I want. I just want the answer to the question, which is what plugin do I need? And from that perspective, the FAQs are going to be short and they can be as short as a hundred words. I've had FAQs ranking above Apple for a tiny French company with just a hundred words. The trick is to categorize correctly. So to your question about different levels of the funnel, you can potentially say, well, each stage of the funnel would be in a specific category that I can give a descriptive name that makes sense to my users. And I would also do another thing, which is have two main categories, one of which is branded questions and the other, the other of which is generic questions about my topic. And then you build them out with multiple categories and you make sure that when you start, you identify all of the different categories and that it's infinitely scalable, i.e. there is never a question that you will be answering that does not fit into one of the categories that you created right at the start. And that means thinking, at, thinking ahead and really thinking this through. So in 2024, should you bin the blog and just go bin for a, an evolving FAQ section instead? No, I wouldn't bin the blog, but I would focus on the FAQ at least uh, 2023, 2024. And the blog has its own need or its own role, which is if I want to delve into a topic, I would need, let's say, 1,000, 2,000 words. If I want a short, a quick answer to a simple question, I need 100, 200 words. If I want to dig into a topic, I need 1,000 words, 2,000 words. That's a blog. If I really want to dig into a topic, I'll buy a book or download a PDF white paper. And that's 8,000 words. 
And that's how we work at CaliCube. We've got FAQ, we've got blog, and we've got white papers and books. Is generative AI going to kill SEO? No, but SEOs are going to have to adapt. And the fact of the matter now is you need to create a digital marketing strategy that covers all of the different channels where your users hang out. You need to stand where the audience is looking. Facebook, Medium, LinkedIn, uh, Forbes, Inc.com. You need to then package whatever content you've created on all of these different platforms, package it for Google, and create the content on your website that helps Google and Bing bring your audience down your funnel on their platform to buy. So there's an enormous amount of SEO work to do, but SEOs are going to have to learn that SEO is no longer a standalone. It's necessarily part of a wider digital marketing strategy. And SEO, in my opinion, is simply packaging great branding, great marketing for Google and Bing. And do you need to be everywhere or do you just need to do a great job at one or two locations for your content? That's a hugely interesting question because we have the CaliCube Pro platform that does exactly this is yes, you don't have to be everywhere. You have to be where your audience is looking. You need to stand where they're looking. And what we do at CaliQ Pro is we analyze your digital ecosystem. Then we analyze your market's digital footprint, as it were, so we can identify where that audience is hanging out and we can focus your efforts, your marketing efforts on the platforms that make sense to your audience and ensure that you're creating the right content that helps your, co your audience understand that you have the solution to their problem. So you need to stand where they're looking, show them you have the solution to their problem, and then tell them what to do next, i.e. come to my website and I will sell you or provide you for free with the solution. So how do you know whether or not to use a platform? You can look in, in CaliCube Pro at the market template. And if Facebook is dominating your market, you focus on Facebook. If LinkedIn is dominating your market, you focus on LinkedIn. And we prioritize it. So what we will do is give you six major platforms that you can potentially focus on. And then you can say, well, I don't have the team to do that. Let's just focus on the top three. So you need to make sure you do each job properly. So it's better to focus heavily on three, do the job properly, than do a bad job on six. And it's even worse, obviously, to do a bad job on 10. I can't imagine any company needing to be on 10 different platforms. And is there anywhere else online that someone can find out for free if um, they, they're not on CaliQ Pro? Yeah, I and mean, we've got lots of free tools on CaliQ Pro. So you go in and you can have a look at which platforms are dominating, very generally. And also, I mean, the, the simplest, the free, simple way of doing it is to use your human intuition and intelligence. And that means search your own brand name and look which platforms come up on pages one, two, and three. Then search your competitors and just look at page one and see what the correlation and correspondence is between them. And by looking at 20 competitors, just looking at them one after the other, you'll probably see repetition and you'll be begin to see, well, LinkedIn is dominating. I keep saying LinkedIn. Therefore, I should focus on LinkedIn because that is what Google perceives to be the most valuable platform for the majority of your market. So you can do it by hand for free. Just look at 20 competitors. If an SEO is struggling for time, what should they stop doing right now so they can spend more time doing what you suggest in 2024? 
Well, if you consider that Google and Bing are going to keep the user on the SERP for longer and bring them down the funnel, site speed and page speed become less important. From a SEO perspective, page speed is significantly less important in a generative AI world, but site speed remains important for your users. So from an SEO perspective, push site speed back in your priorities. But from a user perspective, please do bear in mind that your users do need a fast site. Jason Bernardo is CEO of Calicube, and you can find him over at calicube.com. Jason, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2024. Thank you very much, David. It was lovely. I've been your host, David Bain. Get your copy of SEO in 2024, the book, over at seoin2024.com. <laughs>